Good morning. morning. It is a beautiful morning. I just want to tell y'all I'm going into spring kicking and screaming a little bit because I didn't get my good snow. And I hold out for snow until about March 13th because it has happened before on March 12th. March 13th, I'll go into spring. Until then, I'm sweating in the wintertime. I hope everybody's doing well this morning. We welcome you. We welcome those that are online. Any visitors we have, we welcome you. Uh, there's a connect card in the uh, pew in front of you that we'd like for you to sign up and just drop to someone or leave it on the seat and someone will take care of that. Our giving as usual, we've got the box in the back, snail mail, or you can be technological and do it online if you so desire. We have, on Wednesday, we'll have our Bible study with Ray Owens. That'll be 6.30. Next Sunday, our worship service will be with Pastor Ray Owens. And where's Randy? We're going to have a sign-up sheet for voting. Is that this today there will be a sign-up sheet? Okay, if you're going to be here to vote next weekend, next Sunday, we need you to sign up in the lobby, please. Is that correct? Okay. And on May 11th, we're going to have a new study starting. Let me make sure that's right. That says May 11th. What I have says March the 23rd. This is a Keys to Freedom study for ladies, and it's going to be led by Dana Owens. Does anybody know the correct date on that? 23rd. Good. Okay. Thank you. And you can also sign up for that in the lobby. Make sure what you're signing. There's two sign-up sheets. Okay. And let us pray to get us started this morning. Father, thank you so much for being here with us. Please help us to put everything else out of our minds. Concentrate on your word, what you want us to hear. And Lord, please help us not to leave it in this building when we leave. Let us, let us take it with us. Let us use it. Let us show the world who you are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a new month, the month of March. So we have some birthdays, as you can see on the screen, a number of birthdays. And we would like, if you would like, if you're brave enough to stand up and witness the fact that you're having a birthday, it's fine to do that. But if you feel uncomfortable, we'll just sing to you as you seat, okay? Happy birthday to putting them to shame, weren't you, honey? <laughs> we do have an anniversary this, this uh, month also. Let's go ahead and sing happy anniversary to James and Donna Vickery.
All right. <laughs> we'll begin our service this morning with y'all standing, if you're able, please. And we'll sing, Behold Our God. Beautiful song. together now in goodness of God.
You may be seated. Children, it's time for you to go down. that that was too cute one of them just left really doing the jig that was too cute after that music whoo I'm ready okay but first we have a few uh, prayer requests that we need to look at they're on your bulletin here uh, Miss Annie Balsamo our pastoral search Shirley Weems our situation in Rust Russia I saw almost said Rustin in Russia and the Ukraine Richard Bodker family, that's Rhonda's dad, Jerry Crane, our country, our leaders, our world, COVID situations, our children and youth, our churches, shut-ins. Um, if you have any requests during the week, you can call the church office, or if you want a texted prayer request, uh, Karen Oldham takes care of that and her number's here on this. And she, thank you for doing that. Um, you really get the word out for us to pray for people and I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Matt and then Ray is going to come up and do a prayer over y'all before we get started. We'd like to welcome Matt and Nicole Hunt to Cypress Street Church. Some of us, most of us have already gotten to meet them. They're a lovely couple. We've gotten to learn a lot about them. I've enjoyed the weekend. Thank you. We appreciate you making the long trek here and pray that this journey brings us together in true worship. Matt and Nicole currently live in Madison, Indiana. Matt's father is a Church of God pastor. Matt and Nicole have four children, Peyton, Quentin, Annika, and Miana. They're 13, 12, 9, and 4. Did I get it right? All right. That wasn't written down. I remembered that. Matt and Nicole both have degrees from Anderson University. Matt is currently pursuing his Master of Divinity degree from Anderson Seminary. Nicole's degree is in youth ministry. We look forward to hearing God's message through you this morning. Thank y'all. I'm going to quote James uh, Vickery a few weeks ago. I'm excited. And then he'll say it again. I just got to tell you something. I'm excited. You know, I don't know if you were here then when he said that, but I'm excited for a bunch of reasons. Of course, foremost, really, that God's here. We're two or three gathered together. We ought to get excited that God's here. And so he's here, and we're going to go to the prayer uh, with him. I'm also excited that I'm not preaching. Like, it never happens, and I get to hear a preacher. I mean, like, I don't think I've actually been here that you know in years that I haven't uh, been preaching so I'm very excited about that and I'm excited about the hunts being here uh, I have fallen in love with them they are just precious precious people so I'm excited about that and you already heard the prayer request and there are many uh, I also want to go ahead and say this uh, Geraldine's going to be moving here at the end of the month and we want to pray for that process and that transition. It's, uh, it's not easy. And, uh, 
you know, been here a while and love, we love you and everybody loves you and, and transitioning. So just want you to know. Also, I'm aware in the church there are some very special unspoken needs and some tough situations and many of the leadership aware of others. And then, of course, we really want to pray for God's will, blessing on the hunt, safety as they travel home. Uh, pray for their children and grandmother uh, today um, as mom and dad are away and all that whole process and then there's a lot of things going on in the kingdom and just our little area in the church of god congregations today that uh, i'm aware of so let's just cast our cares and anxieties to the lord amen let's start with prayer as we praise him father we praise your holy name for the miracle that you have given us to allow us to be born and then the miracle of birth again to know you as savior and as the song said as friend and lord to be a part of the family of god that is here at cypress street yes but it's around the whole movement and church of god and it's to brothers and sisters of other groups, no matter where we go, there's always the family of God. Father, we pray that you put pour out your spirit upon the kingdom of God today, regardless of the denomination or nation or country. And Lord, our heart goes out to Ukraine and other countries this morning that I believe that there are probably worship services going on in homes and houses and maybe they can't meet as a church. So God, our heart just goes out and pray that your spirit would fall upon them and encourage our brothers and sisters, especially those in harm's way. But also, Lord, that you would be with the, the, those that are causing the war and that, Lord, peace would fall upon, your peace would fall upon them, on our nation's leaders. Oh, God, how we need you. Oh, how we need you. Father, I pray for peace in our hearts right now in this place. May we set aside all the things on our mind. We cast every care to you, those burdens that are so dear, the ones we've expressed, and Lord, the ones we have in our heart. And Lord, we lay those aside to hear your word today. And I pray, God, you would just bless Matt with peace. And Lord, may we just relax in you and hear the word. The word is truth. May it become alive in our hearts, may it encourage us, and I pray blessings on all of us as we hear. And God, it is so great to love you and to feel your love. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Brother Matt. Thank you very much, Ray. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing today? I think I learned some local language, y'all, right? <laughs> I tell you what, that was some of the best worship I think I've experienced in quite a while. So thank you for that, guys. That was uh, exactly what I think I needed to get me going this morning. So, Okay, you've got a new guy in front of you. You haven't seen him very much yet. A couple of you guys have been around this weekend. right? We've got a little bit of time together, but we don't know each other very well yet. So, what's the new pastor come up to talk about? as you're looking at them and deciding. Well, this is what I'm looking at. Bring them to Jesus, being the church, right? This is what it all comes down to. 
This is the singular most important part of ministry, of doing ministry, of living ministry, of being part of a congregation, and living out our walk as Christians. So, if I'm going to share on one thing today, I want to share on this. It's bringing them to Jesus, being the church, and what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like through my eyes, so that I'm giving all of you a fair understanding of me, and so that we can decide together, because right, this whole process that's culminated in this weekend of me being down here with Nicole and visiting and us all getting to know each other, this hasn't been a typical interview. We talked about that a little bit last night, right? You go for a job interview, you have an interview maybe with a supervisor. Supervisor likes you, they'll send you up to their manager. And depending on the hierarchy, maybe you'll have a third interview, but not normally, right? This is a little different. This is a relationship. This is a courtship. This is a friendship and building that. And taking the time to understand one another, to know where we're all coming from, and taking the time to be open and honest through everything that we're doing. So, this morning, bringing them to Jesus, ministry, the church, how does this all come together? If I'm going to pick one passage of Scripture that I'm going to base something like this on, it's going to be Luke 5, 17, 26. Sorry, 17 through 26. And I didn't actually put it up on the slides because here's the deal. It's really well done in every translation, but I'm going to give you the Matt Hunt paraphrase this morning of this story. Just to liven it up and make it a little bit more interesting and embellish some points, right? So what's this story? This is the story of the paralyzed man. So imagine you're in Jerusalem. You can't walk, you can't stand up, right? Your life consists pretty much of laying on the side of the street, probably somewhere on a mat, and taking what donations people will give you along the way. You don't count much for society. You're usually seen probably as the lowest of the low, no matter what your heritage is. Because if we remember, as we look back in this time, in this culture that Jesus lives in, your religion, your faith, if you're Jewish, it comes through your heritage most of the time. Because at this point in time, the Jewish faith is not so much about evangelizing and reaching out. It's about being one of God's chosen people, and that came through who you were born from. So you're laying here, and you hear of this Jesus that's been traveling the countryside from city to city, and you might be catching glimpses or discussions of people walking by you about all of these miraculous things that this Jesus has done. All of these people that are healed, all of the illnesses that have gone away, the salvation that's come, and you're getting excited, right? But that all comes to a point when you realize that there's something wrong. If Jesus comes into Jerusalem, how are you going to get to him? You're paralyzed. You can't move. You're not going to be able to get to him. But in the story, what do we see? In the story, we see that you're paralyzed, but your friends come by. You've got this great group of friends. They found out where Jesus is coming to, which house he's going to be at, when he'll be there. And they decide they're going to come bring you to him, right? They come alongside of you. 
you get one on each corner of the mat, maybe an extra one by your head, so you're a little bit more comfortable, and they pick you up and they start carrying you. If you're thinking of these friends, what have these friends done today? What have they done for you today? They probably had jobs that they needed to do if it wasn't the Sabbath. They probably had other family obligations that they could have been at or other friends that were mobile that they could have spent time with that day. But instead they came and they surrounded your mat and they picked you up and they start carrying you. And they say, we're going to bring you to Jesus. So you get going along the road, you know, you're traveling on down and you get to the house where Jesus is. But what do you see? Jesus is inside the house, but you can't see him. Because there's such a crowd around that you can't get in the door. Now, what comes up in my mind because of my past background and what I've done for so long is the scene of Black Friday, that great American sport that everybody loves. You know, we're not looking though at the Black Friday that you see today because that's just a tame false excuse of a Black Friday for those of us that have spent our lives in retail. No, we're talking the big Black Fridays where everybody went to your family's house, you got yourself loaded up on turkey, you fell asleep, and a lot of the times the wives and all the daughters and everybody that loves to go shopping got up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and drove out to a shopping center or a mall or a store that had that great sale that came in that ad, you know, for whatever reason, our Thanksgiving ads come out like, what, that big in America? Yeah, because we all love to shop. Well, there's this thing that you get as perspective when you work in retail and you're the one on the other side of the door. You get up to that door and there's this mob just surrounded in. And all I can think of in my mind as I'm thinking of Jesus on this day is him in this house and this mob surrounding him and just thinking, man, I hope they don't panic and try to rush in. Because there's this feeling when you open these doors on a Black Friday of all these people just coming at you and you want to get out of the way as fast as you can, right? So I just imagine in my mind the friends getting to this house and they're walking up and there's just this crowd of people that you can't get through. There's no way. Especially when you're carrying your friend on a mat. But just so happens you're lucky. Your friends are the original MacGyvers. There's a problem, and there's no clear solution to it, right? So what do his friends do? They take him on his mat. They don't try to push through the crowd. They find the stairway and go up to the roof of the house, right? Now, you kind of think of the roof of the house in our terms, and it's, what, a little bit of wood and some shingles or maybe terracotta, depending on where you live, or even a steel roof. Those are big things around us now. Everybody wants a steel roof. I don't know about around here. But... Uh, now these roofs are like pavement. They're sticks and wood on the bottom and then usually a layer of soil or sand or something to set in and it just builds into layers and layers of rock. So you also, you know, you're not looking at like a commercial building that's a cement roof. So you've got some work to do here. Well, your friends get down and they start digging into this guy's roof that they don't even know until they get a hole in there. Then they take you on your mat and they lower you down right in front of the feet of Jesus. And you're thinking, this is amazing. I'm going to come and I'm going to get myself some healing. I'm going to be able to walk. What's Jesus say first? He doesn't say get up and walk, does he? He looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. 
Can you just imagine in that moment, now he probably didn't take that long to say it, but you know, there's just those moments in your life when something sticks in your head or you realize this is a big deal and it just seems like it takes a little while longer and you just hold on to it and you're holding on to this, I'm forgiven. And that load of all of whatever went wrong in your life and whatever you did that was sinful just melts away. And then he says, get up and take your mat and walk, right? And you walk away. Okay, so this is an interesting story on its own, isn't it? So, if we look at this, what does this have to do with being the body of Christ? What does this have to do with what Pastor Hunt has in his head about ministry. Kind of an odd one to go with, right? This is what I see. I see this as a description of the body of Christ being the body of Christ. Sometimes we're really good at it, and sometimes not so much. What I see this as is the difference between just being the body of Christ or being a social club. It takes actively working to do one thing and one thing alone. To bring people to Jesus. And there's this funny thing that happens when we look at this. Because this is different, right? You can go around town and you can find a place that has a building with people coming together on an appointed time, on an appointed day, and spending a few hours together and having a discussion and socializing and then going about their way, right? And you don't really change too much. But here we're called to something different, to something deeper. We're called to be here, to spend time together, to get ourselves ready to go, and then to go out into the world and come back with more people, to bring them to Jesus, the way that these friends brought him to Jesus. So what do I see about Jesus' ministry that I want to emulate? Jesus does not work in a vacuum, right? We don't see Jesus' ministry happening throughout the entire Bible as Jesus working on his own with nobody else helping him. And this is a perfect situation of that. Just like me as the pastor of a church, you can't always get to the one that's paralyzed and sitting on the side of the street, right? It takes work, it takes community. So as a minister, I cannot be effective in ministering on my own. I need a congregation. I need a body. I need those friends to help bring people. I need those friends to, whether they're physically bringing them here or bringing them to the feet of Jesus on their own, to help get people to Jesus. See, it takes a team. It takes a village. And it takes all of that put together to get God's work going. And here's my word of caution for everybody. My word of caution is, if you ever have somebody that comes in that tells you they can do it on their own, or tells you that they walk in the door, and I know exactly what your problem is, and I'm going to fix it, and we're going to take this church from here to there, and this is the solution, and they haven't loved among you, it's probably too good to be true, right? We are all human. We are all imperfect. I will be the first to tell you that I am not perfect. I am still learning. I am still growing. And I have a lot of growing left to do. And it's something we do together. Well, yeah, of course your wife's going to jump in on that one, right? Can't get a break anywhere. (laughs) 
Let's see, let's go ahead and jump forward here and see what we have. Is there, sorry. Uh, go on ahead and go next one. Yes. Uh, one more. Sorry, guys. Jumping up here. Yes, see, it's not a one-person job. So I have a challenge for you today. Because that first point, it's pretty decent, right? But here's your challenge. Nicole and I, we're praying about this. We're thinking this whole thing through. Not just thinking it through, but we're searching for what God has for us and where God wants us to be. Here's my challenge to the congregation, to you guys. It's flipping it around backwards, isn't it? Not supposed to be this way. My question is this. Are you a congregation that's ready and willing to work together, to partner in ministry with me? To partner in ministry with who's coming in these doors to be your next pastor? And to not just expect the next pastor to do it all. Because that's not how it works. That's not how anybody's effective. See, I have a vision and I have a calling that I know is greater than anything that I can accomplish on my own. I've been through life long enough to know better than to think I can do it all. And I'm looking for partners in ministry, not just a congregation to minister to. Number two. The second thing I see in this. Ministry is about more than mere salvation. Think that one through for a second. A little uncomfortable, isn't it? Because we think that we're the church and we're here in the job of saving souls to go out and find the lost and bring them back to Jesus. But look at the example in the story. What does Jesus do in this story? Does Jesus just offer this paralyzed man salvation and walk along his way and leave it at, he's saved, he's going to heaven. He can just have fun on that mat here while he's on earth, right? No, he doesn't. He goes beyond that. You see, ministry, the imperative goal of ministry is salvation of a soul. But I see ministry as more than that. I see ministry as taking care of the whole person, the full body of the person. Jesus doesn't just leave this man in his paralyzed state. He heals him. He makes his life here on earth just a little bit better to be able to move on. You see, ministry for me requires a love and care for the entire person, the whole person. And what can I do to make their life a little bit better here on earth? You see, there's this funny thing that you learn along the way in life, and that's that sometimes just doing one thing isn't enough, and sometimes you'll never see the result of what you've done. In business, they call that going on ahead and doing something for a customer that doesn't give you a monetized return today, but you realize that down the road, and retailers know this very well, down the road, that comes back to you. Because what happens in that sense is that you make a customer happy, they go tell their friends, and their friends come in, and that customer comes back to you for life, right? Well, you know, ministry's not that much different. We look a little different at it, don't we? It comes from a whole different place of heart. It comes from a whole different place of understanding. Because we're looking to be more like Jesus and to grow in God and to grow in faith. But at the same time, we want to make life a little bit better for those around us while we're here. At least that's my goal in ministry. So as I look at the individual, what is there something that I might be able to think of that I can do 
to help make that person's life a little bit better and to make the community around the church a little bit better. Because we're really, really good anymore, aren't we? At sitting here and thinking of every single problem that's going on in the world. We can sit here and we can quickly name off that, you know, so-and-so down the street did this to me five years ago and that was just wrong and I don't want to talk to him again or I don't like the way that this area of town looks. But does sitting there stewing on it and thinking that through constantly ever help anything? Most of the time it doesn't. It takes somebody to actually step their foot in and say, you know what, here and now, whatever little bit of change I can do, I'm going to make the change. And that's exactly what it is. It's being the beginning of change. Change in life and change in making life a little bit better is just another way to outreach because you never know who it's going to affect or how it's going to affect them down the road, whether we see the result today or we see it a year from now or the result comes after our lifetime and we find, about it, find out about it when we get to heaven. Okay, so what's the third thing I see in this story? This one I think we've touched a little bit on. This one can be a hard one to swallow. There may be a time that we're called to minister to somebody that might be different than us. That can be really hard to do, right? Because you see, we help people find life and we share life together, right? The mission and the vision of this congregation, or at least that's what we put on paper and that's what we've said it is. So the question is really, are we ready to make sure that we are following what we said? So, people might be different than us, right? So in this passage, if you think about it, and you've done some exegetical work on it, like I have, quite a bit, you can do a lot of exegetical work and you can find out a lot of stuff, but here's the key, you've got to be able to find out how that applies. What can I give you to take home with you today? So, what can I give you to take home with you today out of this? You see, I kind of touched on this before. This paralyzed man didn't line up at all with what the Jews thought Jesus' ministry was going to look like before he came to earth, right? If you read through the Bible and you kind of understand Old Testament, there's this messianic hope that we all talk about. This hope of the Messiah that's going to come, that's going to change the world. He's going to come take over the palace, and at this point, you know, the Jews are in Roman control. He's going to throw off the Roman guard and throw off all of the government around them, and they're going to be the people of God in the truest sense of what they feel it is. But what happens instead? Here comes Jesus, and he's talking to Gentiles. He's eating with tax collectors. He's eating with sinners. The outcasts of society on its own, let alone being even more so the outcasts to the Jewish people that were expecting him to come. And in this story in particular, you even have a paralyzed man. So what happens in culture of that time? You see, culture hasn't changed all that much over years, but it has changed. Because for these people that were paralyzed, they're seen even more to have a lower status within their society. Because they can't approve or account or improve society around them because they have no means to work. If you're a paralyzed man, you're not going to be able to get up and go to the stone quarry. You're not going to be able to be a carpenter. You can't woodwork. You're pretty much, your life is relegated to a mat on the ground in the middle of town 
where everybody walks by you and gets to look at you every day. And they'd probably rather be looking at something a little bit more decorative than me laying on a mat on the side of the ground, right? So, you see, there's this outcast of society that Jesus reaches out to and improves his life. The need is to reach everyone, no matter what their background, and bring them not only to the feet of the Jesus, but into the community of the church. And that's something we've talked about a little bit. Community, friendship, this network of all of us together, and this place that builds something that is so amazing to the world around us that it draws them in. And it doesn't have to be fancy. You see, here's the thing. When we think of, oh, we want to do outreach, or oh, we want to build the kingdom bigger, we get this thing in our mind that just reminds us of this church over here that does this. And they've got this amazing light show and these fog machines, and it's like you're walking into the rock concert of the century, and all the high school kids and college kids are right down front. That's not it. What are we really looking for? We kind of talked about that a little bit last night, right? We're looking for connection. We're looking for relationships. We're looking for friendships. And not just friendships in our twisted understanding of friendships in the world today. We're looking for something that is true, something that is whole, and something that is fully authentic. And if we can be a place where people come find that, it's going to be a place where people feel comfortable to stay, no matter what state they are in their relationship with God, and no matter what state they are, and their walk along the way. So we're called to reach, and we're called to reach people that are different sometimes. Are we ready and are we willing to actually do that, though? Because it's not always fun and it's not always pretty. And we can think it through and we can, we can make it a little bit better, but sometimes it gets messy. But sometimes life gets messy, no matter what we do, right? Life is a messy thing. If we are all open and all honest with each other today, life is messy. If you haven't met Nicole and I and you haven't had time to talk to us yet, we can tell you about messy things in life. But there's one thing else we can tell you, that we've been blessed with communities of faith and communities within churches that have been willing to work through with us and live through those messy times because most of the time, there's been something else that might be messy in a different way that somebody else has lived through. But in being open and honest and sharing about that, they've spoken into our lives. And it's made a difference. And it is the most important thing that we can do as a church. So thinking about this and thinking about everything that I've placed in front of you today, for you to think about, I'm kind of challenging you to this. Are you ready as a congregation to move beyond a ministry that is defined by society, a ministry that's defined by the common roles or the common expectation, the common understanding? And are you ready to become a church that's defined as a ministry that focuses on Jesus and focuses on ministry in the way that Jesus lays it out for us? Are you ready and willing to be a partner in this? and ready and willing to work together in the community in which you're planted, and not just within this space, but within the larger space of West Monroe, to become a church that's known not for having the fanciest worship service or the fanciest, newest-looking thing or whatever the Christian fad of the day is that the pastor wants to bring to the church, but instead be a church that's firmly grounded in, 
in Jesus and in the Word of God and firmly grounded in what you've already put on your website, which is being a people that want to find life and share life together, to live like Jesus lived. And my favorite part of that is always adding on to the end of that, living life to the fullest, which can only be done in community together. I'm going to go on ahead and pray and let the worship team come back up. I think they've got a closing song. And then I'm forgetting who I turned it over to. I turned it over to you, Ray? Or back over to you? Okay, there we go. Sorry. God, I just, I pray over this entire congregation here today, whether they're in this building or whether they're watching from home or whether they haven't had the opportunity to, to listen in yet. God, I pray that you work within their lives, work within their journey and their faith, within their understanding. I pray that you'll be with Nicole and I as we pray through and continue to seek your will for us and seek your calling. Because here's the deal, God. We know that this process of finding a pastor, this process for Nicole and I of finding a church, it gets long, it gets drawn out, and rightfully so. But God, I just pray that you would make it known whether this is the correct fit or not. Because like I said, this is a courtship that we hope eventually ends in a marriage. And we pray that your will be done in that in every aspect of that thought, of that saying, and of the wording of how we're using it. And I pray that you'll be with these people as they go from here today, that they're ready for this week, whatever the world might throw at them, but to remember that there is a community here that loves and cares about them, and that at any point in time they can get in touch with each other and have somebody there to live life together, to make that week just a little bit better. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please? We will be singing, Oh, let the Son of God impose.
good. I feel really good after that. Thank you so much for that sermon. Uh, after this, we'll have circles in the fellowship hall with Matt and Nicole. We welcome you there. Don't forget about the sign-up sheet. Uh, let's close with a prayer for wisdom. Father God, as we begin to take steps in the direction of our purpose, we ask that you give us wisdom. We ask in faith that as your word promises us that you will give us wisdom in every small and large decision as we step into our purpose. We thank you that we don't have to rely on our own understanding as we know that your wisdom will guide us to our exact purpose. Thank you that we can come to the throne and ask anything. We ask for your guidance and we thank you for the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.